Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In Show. I hope you've all been keeping well. This week we have with us another interesting guest. We have with us Virginia, who is a pharmacist from the UK, but is now a senior medical copywriter in Germany working for a digital health company. She's worked as a medical copywriter, as a freelancer with loads of clients, and has more recently launched The Right Clinic, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. But massive pleasure having you on the show today, Virginia. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and it's so nice to meet you and, no. you know, be one of those people that does something different <laughs> no. and kind of, you know, doesn't follow the, the, the normal or traditional route. So, you know. No, sounds good. So we're interested by what you do. Medical copyright is, is becoming a very big thing now. It's been around forever, I'm sure, but it, I think a lot more people are becoming akin to it, understanding it but they're still struggling to get into it. So what we want to do is we want to kind of share your journey, your story into copyright, but we want to take it to the beginning. So tell us about your kind of background as a pharmacist, where you were working and kind of bring us up to speed to present day. Cool. So I'm going to start when I graduated from the UCL School of Pharmacy. So the School Mm. of Pharmacy used to be a a freestanding independent university um, and it was like the top pharmacy university. And I was like, yeah, I got in. It's so cool. I'm going to be a pharmacist. Um, and then they merged with UCL. And I was like, oh, I didn't know UCL didn't have a pharmacy department. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, long story short, I, I graduated. And then I um, did my training year um, in a pharmacy in Putney. And then the pharmacist there got me into um, travel health and running a vaccination clinic. And I loved it. And I was like, you know what? This is like a really great service. Not many people are doing it. Why don't we have a leaflet? Why don't we have like <laughs> all this like stuff to like to promote it? Um, mm. So I guess you could say that was the first time I created like copywriting sales material without even knowing it. And mm. they went and printed like 4,000 copies of oh, this wow. thing. <laughs> and they still have it, obviously, today. Um, and so this is like, I don't know, seven years ago when, when I was in there, but then I, I worked in there like on and off for like five years, like literally just running the vaccination clinic, plus all of my regular pharmacist duties. Um, and I also locumed all over London. And um, then the, so that was about seven years of my life. And mm. it was your typical like 9am to 7pm with barely a break in the middle and when Mm. you had a quiet day you were just like thankful um (laughs) so things are a bit calmer and so what happened is covid and then uh my my husband actually looking to go abroad anyway so he was in Mm -hmm. china for two years so we did long distance and loads of traveling it was great and then when he came back uh we got married and Mm. Uh, then he was like, actually, I want to go abroad again. But I want to go to a school that really, like, is really inclusive and respects mm. diversity and all of this stuff. So I was like, you know what, let's let's go for it and I'll figure it out. If I can't work as a pharmacist, um, then I'll, I'll find a job online or something. Um, so we moved in 2020 to Germany. And then I was like, actually, it's really hard to find an alternative <laughs> job. Um, so I was working in the school, in his, um, school, um, for about six to seven months, um, as a Mm. science teacher. So I was teaching from like grade three to grade, um, 12. Um, so that was like, I don't know, age seven years old to like 22. 
Um, mm. And it was really fun for me because I was like, you know, I was doing a lesson on the skin and I was like, this is so useful. This is like so like, <laughs> you know, refreshing my memory. Um, and it was, it was, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I was also responsible for doing the um, COVID tests as well. And during that time, I was thinking, okay, this is, this is like a, a countdown to me not having a job because by the end of the school year, there's no reason for them to keep me because I was like an extra. Yeah. So, and they weren't going to continue doing COVID tests. So I was like, okay, I really need to do something. Um, so during that time, I was online and I was trying to find clients on Upwork, which is like a freelance platform. And I also entered a competition with um, Abraham Pharmacist, which is a pharmacist channel for health. And so I won the competition to write scripts for Abraham Pharmacist. Um, oh, wow. And I beat 900 other pharmacists. And I was just like, oh, wow. this is insane. Like, how do I do this? Um, and so I built up my portfolio of writing scripts. And he gave me uh, like- What does that mean by writing scripts? Is it just copyright or- so um writing uh, the youtube video scripts that he would say okay, so but also promoting health so mm -hmm. in terms of copywriting um copywriting is basically promoting something so you're either getting someone to buy something or take your advice or do a certain action mm -hmm. um so by you know giving them information in a really easy to digest like form then they're more likely to subscribe to your channel and follow you mm. and mm. i liked his channel because he didn't do um he didn't take any sponsorships mm -hmm. um and he'd also been on like bbc radio so i was like okay yeah. so he's got a lot of authority already so it's good to like have that experience and i also worked with an online doctor called dr felix and mm -hmm. um i didn't know what rate to charge so i ended up like charging a really really tiny amount i didn't realize yeah. <laughs> how cheap i was being but the, the trade-off was that they would put my picture and my name and link okay. to the gphc register so hmm. it would like boost their website authority on on google's ranking yeah um and then it was also you know a way for me to, to be like you know i'm a published person and i've written yeah. for a doctor and you can like trust what i'm doing um and so because i had like 70 pages on dr felix's website <laughs> with my oh, name wow. and um and about 20 or 30 odd um scripts which got like loads of views I think they got like over a million views altogether and some of them like really mm. popped off and some of them are still really popular now and it was it just showed that you know i was able to do it i was able to get into this um career seriously as a writer and do mm. it successfully from home from you know from anywhere in the world was that was that the first time you kind of went into kind of copyright creating content writing articles for other people and this was all purely remote during the the, the covid yeah, remote during pandemic the pandemic. Time. i couldn't work as a pharmacist in germany because i can't speak I german and i was like okay do i either invest time learning german or do i invest mm. time becoming a mm. writer which is a more solid career mm. um, and something that's remote as well because I wasn't sure how long we'd be in Germany if my husband doesn't like his job or <laughs> we have issues or, or something like that you know like with the property or with the location um, so then I um, started to use keywords and SEO techniques and loads of research and applying to jobs um, on LinkedIn and, and the recruiter found my profile and they were like, Hey, I really think that 
you would do well with this agency. And at this point I was like, I've been rejected so many times and I don't yeah. understand why, because I have like such a massive portfolio. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, let's, let's just go for it. And the, the job, um, was at a medical communications agency, but I didn't know it was a medical communications agency at the time. I just thought, oh, it's just like a, you know, a place that needs me to do what I've been doing this whole time because they yeah. were really interested in me producing content for another online doctor, mm -hmm. which I can now say was as the online doctor. So they didn't launch oh, wow. yet. They were like, this is super top secret. You're not allowed to tell mm. anyone. Um, because during COVID, everyone was like, oh my God, how do we get medicines to people yeah. if they don't want to come to a pharmacy? So everybody got their own online doctor. And when you get an online doctor, you need content. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's why the kind of, demand for medical writers and copywriters just, just like shot up and it's still going up now because people are like mm. if we don't have an online presence we don't exist yeah and it makes mm. sense as in kind of a lot of things especially healthcare is moving digital it's less pen and paper it's less physical and yeah. i like to think we're becoming a lot more commercial and in a kind of innovation the one question i wanted to ask is copyright seems like such a niche and we'll kind of talk about it did you have a knack for writing or was it something you developed as you did more and more? Because I know a lot of people may be interested, but maybe like me, you can barely string a sentence together. Mm. Tell us a bit about that. I'm very privileged in the sense that I've, you know, I've, I've studied a, a master's degree. So mm -hmm. all of the writing that I had done up to university was always checked and criticized and got feedback. Um, and I think anybody who's done a medical degree will can relate to that. And so, the kind of add-on, if you like, to do copywriting or writing for promotional sales uh, materials is, mm. is basically to make your writing a bit more emotional and persuasive and include mm -hmm. certain mm. elements such as, you know, you need to grab people's attention. So what's the most interesting thing about what you have to say? How do you introduce a topic? And you'll have that at the top of the page, especially because you're not there to introduce the topic to the person physically. It's all being, you know, it's all text. Um, or yeah. in other formats, it's pictures um, or video. But it's the same principle. You need something to catch their attention. Then you need to give them the information in lots of small pieces. Um, and it has to be mobile friendly. So you're not going to be writing an essay. Yeah. You're going to be writing loads of um, kind of broken up paragraphs, bullet points, headings. And then at the very end, or, or littered throughout your piece of writing, you, you're going to have to be including calls to action. So you're going to have to ask people to do stuff. And mm. I think, I think there's a little bit of a guilt to make people do things as a medical mm. person, um, because you're like, you know, I'm kind of giving you the advice and you make the choice. But when you're mm. a copywriter, you have to make that choice for them because yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have a motive to make them do something. Mm. Um, so like a typical, typical example would be um, th that I developed over time would be to say, you know, a certain collection of advice, but then kind of steer them towards the, the, the particular set of words that you've highlighted on purpose so that they can mm. click on it, and go to that thing or click on a certain button mm. um, or offer a discount or that kind of stuff. Um, so you're kind of persuading them and you're advertising benefits more than you are features, for example. And I actually, I actually bought a lot of copywriting books um, mm -hmm. because I didn't feel like I knew enough and I didn't feel like anybody was going to teach me. So I was thinking, you know, if I, if I want to take this seriously and get better at it, then 
I have to keep on top of my knowledge and follow other people that write. But then one of the kind of dangers of on being online and reading other people's content mm. is that it's unlikely that you're going to go and verify what you've just seen. Um, mm -hmm. But if you have books and other references and other people have said that kind of thing and you've actually practiced it and it's worked, then that's kind of the, you know, the learning process that you have to go through. Um, mm -hmm. And then the foundation of, of all the writing is that you have to be really honest. And because you have yeah. a medical background, you know, you can ascertain, ooh, can I say that this is actually proven? Do I have a reference for that? Um, and I think that's really important. And that's what makes the difference between someone who has a medical background and someone who doesn't, because they'll say really wild statements like vitamin C is good yeah. for you. And I'm just like, oh, it's just not enough. It's just not enough. It's not convincing. <laughs> um, or they'll say something is dangerous and you're like, mm, it's not not quite the right language you could say it's, it's concerning maybe but um mm. i think just lots of little tweaks like that and of course there are tools that you learn to use as well um some people love and hate grammarly but i love it sometimes mm -hmm. um and and uh and then also hemingway app is just is so useful because um when you get a brief from a client and you've never seen a brief before, they'll mm -hmm. be like, oh, can you write it for a patient audience with a reading age of, you know, 10 years old? And you realize that all of these standards have existed for ages. And we naturally talk to our patients like that because we want mm -hmm. them to understand the, the information that we're giving them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why um, Hass and I feel so strongly about healthcare professionals being yeah. writers. Um, and all of the work that I did for Dr. Felix, for example, um, the online doctor was, was all written by people who don't have a medical background or they were still students. Um, and there were errors. So they did. Yeah, I was the going right to say, thing. would you be able to tell the difference between a copywriter that's a clinician or has a medical background as to someone that's out of kind of university and writing content? Yeah. So you can definitely tell the difference. Um, and I think. I even experienced that with the junior writers that I uh, kind of train at work or outside of work. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll you'll see it in the structure of their writing. Um, and sometimes they, they'll they be unsure. So there'll be kind of like a hanging statement or it I won't see. quite be complete. Um, but then on the other end of the spectrum, um, there are healthcare professionals who write such complicated content. <laughs> and I, mm. I have um, worked with with those types of writers as well, because, you know, we'll ask them for a guest blog and they'll write something. Um, but I don't know, a very small thing, for example, is they will write type one and type two diabetes, but using the letter I. So they'll mm. write type I and type I, I, oh, I see. Just like, no, nobody's <laughs> going to search for that on the internet. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think also just, um, learning the standards as well. So it, so mm. there are um, standards uh, for usability and accessibility online. Um, and just, you know, just discovering all of these things. And I think that's why we just packed everything into a course. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, it just, makes sense. If you really when... want to learn, I can't tell you how to do it in five minutes. Here's the <laughs> shortest amount of time I can do it in. Um, and you can, you know, you can just work through it. Um, so yeah. Amazing. When, say you're given a brief by a company X, right? 
So, and they say, produce me some copyright on topic Y. What are some of the first few factors that you need to sort of decipher uh, before even starting the project? How does a copywriter make a start on a project? Oh, that is such a good question. Okay, so the way I've learned from experience um, is that is such a common request to say, oh, can you just write this for me? There are so yeah. many questions to ask. <laughs> um, so, the, so the first thing is, um, who is it for? So the audience is so important because you need to know who you are talking to um, mm. and who's going to read your materials. So when people read what you write, they're essentially trying to talk in their own voice in their head. And that's what makes reading so memorable. And the second question would be, what kind of style or tone of voice would you like it to be written in? So, mm. for example, do you want to be really kind of firm and convincing and authoritative? Or do you want to be really like friendly and like a big sister? So I've had that request before. So you'll be kind of, you know, really, really casual um, and mm. chatty. Um, and sometimes it'll be quite, you know, serious and empathetic. Um, mm. Or, or just really uh, careful um, with what you say because it might be a really sensitive topic. Um, so audience and tone of voice are the two top things. And then the third thing, um, there are more things than three, but <laughs> the third thing would be, what is the purpose of the content? So what do you want the reader to actually do? And yeah. how do you want your brand to be represented? So like what, what are your values or what are typical phrases or um, things that you would typically say so people can recognize that this is you, this is your brand speaking to them. And some brands will often not invest in having kind of, you know, specific brand messaging, and then you'll have to make that up, which makes the whole mm -hmm. job a lot harder because they, you know, you may not necessarily know the brand and the brand that doesn't know itself means that it's going to be more hard work for you as a writer. Um, and sometimes there can be just too many people that have different opinions on what they want mm. and the writing to be like. And yeah. then if you don't have a brief to point at at the end, they'll say, oh, we don't like it, can you do it again? And that's oh, like the man. worst situation. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's, mm. what would, that's what I would um, ask. And typically, so having worked with a few copywriters kind of when we kind of help health tech companies and whatnot, which is obviously still new for us. I know it's more than just spending half an hour writing something. How long does it typically take to kind of do the research, kind of do all the SEO ranking and the keywords to, to really produce a good quality piece? Because um, I know there's a lot of budding health tech entrepreneurs that are building companies and they're going to get copyrights. To, so just kind of understanding it from your viewpoint. So I would say there's definitely a learning curve. So the sooner you get to know the brand and who they target and what they sell in terms of, you know, are they selling um, advice? Are they selling a particular product or service? And then what are the benefits and features of that product? Then, you know, the more complex the product, the more difficult and the longer mm -hmm. it'll take to write about it. Um, so I would say on average, if you're going to write an awesome blog piece for example so a blog would be what we call a piece of pillar content because mm -hmm. they can chop it up and turn it into lots of smaller pieces of content and they often tend to be what we call evergreen so that mm -hmm. means they'll stick around for a really long time they're really core pieces of content 
Um, so I would say anywhere from six to 10 hours and then probably another couple of hours to account for feedback. Mm -hmm. um, so if you've got a team of writers, then that makes everything quicker. Yeah. Um, and, and generally you'll start with, you know, you go through the brief, you'll ask questions about it. You go in, do some research, you write the first draft, you'll get feedback. Um, you'll make edits, you get more feedback make edits again and then hopefully it's not more than two or three rounds mm. um, and so yeah so that whole process because of the back and forth is is a good six to ten hours but if you know the brand and they're a regular client and they mm. say hey we're writing a blog about you know product x um can you give us two thousand words on this topic how to use product x yeah. and you know them because you've been working with them for like, let's say three to six months. I'd say six months is about a good amount of time to work with a client to, to really know um, what they're like and write in their tone of voice. Um, so I would say, you know, two to four hours. So you really like half oh, wow, yeah. time, um, the, the longer you stick with a brand. So that's why if you are freelancing, it's much more valuable to kind of learn about a client and then retain them um, for as long as possible. Because once you lose that client, you have to replace them. You start another learning curve. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Going back to your story of, so you initially <clears throat> did it for a company like Dr. Felix, YouTube scripts, then worked for this communication agency. And then after that, is it when you kind of thought, I'm a bit more confident I'm going to set out on my own journey, on my own path and do it as a freelance copyright? Um, and go out and secure those clients. Tell us a bit about that phase and how you secured your first client. What tricks and you know tips do you have? So I would say um, while I was working at the medical communications agency, I um, did have people approach me um, as clients. And then there were some that I approached myself. And kind of the quickest way to get to know someone is to read what they've put out there and then mm -hmm. form an opinion on it. Would you want to associate yourself with that client? Do you agree with mm. their kind of values and their brand and what they're doing? Um, and then just send a cold DM or connect with them on LinkedIn um, or send a proposal if you're on Upwork. So, um, you know, I work with like a vitamins company through Upwork. I work with um, a compressions hosiery uh, company mm. on Upwork and, mm a contraceptive pill um, company through LinkedIn. Interesting, and yeah. I just, you know, messaged the CEO. I said, I really like your article. I read it in Pharmacy Magazine. Um, they said, oh yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. I'll put you in touch with my um, social media person. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> that was really easy. I didn't even ask. It kind of just, she yeah. kind of just pulled it off a conversation. Um, and then if you want to do something that's a bit more challenging is getting into print published materials. Mm. So I really wanted to write pharmacy magazine and it took me about three months to get the editor of another magazine to give me the email. Of the oh pharmacy my gosh. Yeah. And then it took me another three months to get an article um, mm. to write. And then <laughs> And then it finally got published. So, um, so last year I wrote two articles for Pharmacy Magazine, and they're like oh, wow. my pride and joy because you know every day, every month we would get the Pharmacy Magazine in the in the pharmacy, and I'm just like, this is so cool. I wish I was like printed. Yeah. And, now I am, and I'm just like, so cool. Um, 
so yeah so i would say a lot of patience as well because mm. if you can't kind of get over being rejected or having the kind of willingness to just try yeah. again you've literally got nothing to lose like just mm. go for it the worst they could do is just say no and mm. just move on to the next person so there there are so many opportunities out there and you could literally choose what you want and you just have to chase it so it's, it's the person that perseveres that, yeah. that gets the carrot at mm. the end of the day um and so when a lot of people join uh the linkedin group for example um they'll say oh i've been trying for two or three months i'll be like keep going just like yeah. three months is like just you know drop in the ocean just keep yeah. going um and sometimes you need a community of people who are all yeah. trying together uh, mm. to kind of keep you going and um and that's the power of community that's i'm like i'm so like chuffed to have such mm. a LinkedIn community of, of people that are all you know supporting everyone so yeah um virginia what's it like so you've gone from pharmacy where you've had relative stability you sort of if you wanted a job you could go get a locum shift wherever you liked and it's pretty guaranteed um <laughs> to freelancing and then to obviously now assume full-time again but what was it like in that freelance period as a healthcare professional going from complete sort of stability to having to actively find work oh it was really um stressful um but i'm just one of those people that does not give up so mm. when i wasn't getting people you know telling me that they're going to take me up on my offer i was like okay mm. well I'll spend this time learning to do something new because every time you kind of focus on doing something new that skill will always grow as long as you keep yeah. it up so i practiced making short videos for figuring out how to um you know add text on the screen how to mm. um, edit mm. um and kind of every every little thing that i learned even you know figuring out how to get great audio or um publish things on youtube or just do tiktoks and ask, answer people's questions um yeah. so so every every little thing that you learn it might not feel relevant at the time mm. um but you just have to keep going um even if you feel like you know i was, I was I was really lucky that my husband was able to support both of us while I wasn't earning my, you know, full potential income, let's put it mm -hmm. that way. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it was quite hard and it was stressful. And I would have days where I would just be like, oh, I can't be bothered. Maybe I'll just be a housewife. <laughs> and I was like, I would get so bored. <laughs> and that's not the future I saw for myself. I'm, I'm definitely very creative and entrepreneurial and there are definitely a lot of failures um, that happened. So one was, you know, I was, I was sitting on a plane to Germany and mm. the I was sitting next to was the son of the owner of this massive Berman's company. And he oh, said, wow. oh, can you like make content for us? And I was like, yeah, sure. And um, so I figured out how to make long form video and edit it and I got all of the awesome lighting gear and audio yeah. and different mics. And I was like really trying to make it work and then at the end, they were like quite rude. And I was like, really, really hurt. And I was like, you know what? I've learned my lesson. I didn't have a contract. Mm. There was no solid agreement. Mm. You know, they didn't like my edits for whatever reason. Um, and they wanted all of my raw files so that they could do oh, whatever wow. they wanted with it. And yeah. I was like, that's not why I agreed. 
And so I was just like, I'm just, just going to let it go. I'm going to let this however many thousand pounds, I'm just going to let it go. Hmm. And I'm going to get a new computer. I'm going to improve my editing skills. I'm going to find someone who will appreciate me for, for what I can do. Hmm. Um, so yeah, resilience, I would say as well. No. <laughs> it's really De important. Definitely. I think um, resilience, grit, that hustle ability is super important when you're a freelancer. It's kind of the, the thing that lets you kind of keep going, especially when like you don't know who your client is going to be. You're losing clients. You need to replace them. Do you feel medics, by virtue of being in like a system like the NHS, they kind of learn that and they're kind of more adept at copyright than other non-clinical background people entering the world of kind of freelancing copyright? It's definitely true that we are more resilient and you know, sometimes you'll speak to a patient and try to give them so much advice. Yeah. They just come back and they just haven't done anything with it. And yeah. they're in a worse state and that kind of thing. And you no, know, it's not your fault, but you just have to keep going with trying to help them and doing your best. Hmm. And I think because we have that mindset of just always doing our best within our limits, although sometimes that can be to our detriment because of burnout. Um, <laughs> so you're, you're, very, you're quite prone to burnout if you get yeah. into computing. Um, and there's a lot of waiting around as well. So if you don't see your patient for a while, it's similar to not getting feedback on your writing for a while. And, um, you know, you, you, you feel like you put in a lot of effort when you write things, um, and you feel like it, it needs to be out there in the world and be seen by yeah. and, and the people that you want to help. So I think there is an emotional uh, connection, but one thing I would say is, is don't take feedback personally. It's definitely tough to get the first round of feedback on your yeah. writing. Um, and people have different opinions and different characters and they won't have the same kind of caring mindset that you do. Mm. And they may not speak to you that way either. Um, but it's not, it's not about you personally. It's always about them and, and the stresses that they have um, mm. to, you know, get what they need from you to fulfill whatever task that they're trying to no. complete. Hmm. Um, so pressure is very, you know, top down and you tend to be bottom of the chain, yeah. unfortunately, um, well, for a while until, until you start training other writers and getting into other processes. So yeah, so I would say we're, yeah. we're built, we're built well for this, but yeah. we can be a bit passionate. <laughs> no, I, I can imagine the, the final question before we kind of move on to kind of the course and all the wonderful things you've doing since is when it comes to freelancing even not just copyright, you know, video editing, photography, design, the issue that keeps cropping up its rare head is pricing. When oh, you yeah. are a new copyright, how, do, how much do you charge? How much do you charge? And the reason why I'm saying is I hate when people undersell themselves or they don't realize the value and the, the, the bring into the table. Um, we don't have any experience in copyright, of course, but what are your kind of general principles around it? That's a good question. I do get the pricing question a lot because at the end of the day this is a career and you need to make a living um mm. so i would say when you first start out you'll probably want to be um you know you will lowball a little bit and of then course. kind of see how you can build up your portfolio and then once you've got that kind of portfolio deck then you can be a bit more demanding because you can say oh i've you know written for a company like this if you if you can say the brand um and what you did for them and then also the achievements so showing results um means that you can charge more so so in terms of just starting out i would say if you're working to 
you know, a piece of writing of about one to 2000 words and you're estimating about six to 12 hours, um, then I would say you can charge anywhere from as low as 150 to as much as 600, depending on the detail that is required for that piece of writing um, and also how much research you need to do if you need to include citations and then have kind of proper referencing at the bottom mm. of the piece of writing. And also if you need to do any SEO research, include any keywords, include any mm. metadata or include images as well. I have been asked to provide an image um, oh, for, nice. for the work that I do. Um, and sometimes I'll just say, oh, hey, here's our, you know, um, catalog from Shutterstock or Pexels. Um, just pick a picture mm. and then we'll buy it. But that still eats into your time because if you've ever written anything and tried to find a picture for your article, you know, yeah, it takes it's the hardest bit. Yeah, exactly. It could take you like 30 minutes to an hour um, if you can't find what you want. And I think you definitely have to really think about how much time you've got to dedicate to it and then the mm. result that you're promised at the end. So will it be published with your name on it or is it ghostwriting? Mm -hmm. Is it something that they will repurpose into other things for the social media? Um, so there's a lot of value from you doing that initial piece of work and mm -hmm. so they don't, yeah, don't underestimate how much it will cost, especially if they want to put your name and face on it um, and you have a medical background or you're on a medical register because um, mm. that will boost their um, EAT score, which is expertise, authority, and trust. And Google mm. loves that because um, it shows that you're kind of connected with a proper medical and health uh, background mm. person. Um, and they're pushing things like, you know, YouTube health. So more people are going to be looking health-related videos now and if you've got yeah. that blog that can be a script or a video so i think you kind of need to think about all of the parallels that will come from that and and that's kind of the way you need to sell it as well mm. um because they'll they'll think oh you're just writing a blog for us so it should be as cheap as possible it's only going to take yeah. you two hours it's not really the case because somebody else is going to look at that piece and they're going to recreate it um so yeah i would say Charge as much as you can, <laughs> um, yeah. but also respect that sometimes if it's a startup, they will be looking for a good deal. And if you just mm. really like them, then you, you can go ahead and just build your portfolio through lots of cheap pieces like I did yeah. with Dr. Felix. Mm. Um, but it means that those pieces will be in your portfolio for, for years to come and everything will build on top. So no. just go for it. Definitely. Sometimes don't think about the price too much at the beginning, just do the work. Um, and then you can be a bit more demanding. And I think that's a, a sensible way of doing it. Tell us a bit more about kind of the, the venture into courses, teaching other people, going from a position of doing it yourself to now helping and teaching other people. Where does that stem from? You know, you could have lived your best life. Why have the headache of teaching other people? <laughs> that's a really interesting way to phrase the question. Um, I would say it's because I think that this is probably going to sound like really interesting, but basically we have this kind of innate need to want to help people as healthcare professionals. <laughs> and I felt that a lot of the information that was online was really out of date and not helpful for someone like me, who's like complete beginner trying to switch careers, you know, never written anything or thought about creating mm. content online. Didn't know what a H1 or H2 heading was. I just, figure it out yeah. from kind of doing my own website 
Um, so I really got stuck in and I think that it, it's so liberating for me to sh share that information freely, um, mm. whether people choose to pay for it or not, it's up to them. But, you know, I produce more free content than I produce paid content. Um, and that's because I just really want to help people. And then it's just giving people that little bit of push that gives me so much like satisfaction because yeah. you know they've got that skill for life and they can build on it and mm -hmm. they can it can really change their life it can move their whole life in a different di direction yeah. um <clears throat> and i and i think the thank yous are just so rewarding whether you know whether they're free or they're paid it like it doesn't mm. make a difference to me the, the fact is you did the work um and you thought that you couldn't do something and with a little bit of instruction now you can and that is just like you can't put a price on that that's totally priceless no. um and I'm, and I'm always so humbled when people you know read my work and they they notice something that they read somewhere else and they correct me and i'm just in a constant <laughs> state of learning from them too so you know the best way to teach as they say um is or the best way to learn rather the best way to learn is to teach other people because they'll pick yeah. up on stuff um and through creating courses people give me feedback um and they do it willingly you know they spend a piece of their life learning something and viewing something that i've created and then they're like you know what i i should tell her about this because she can improve this and it will help other people so it's kind of like this endless circle of, of feedback of helping everyone. So everyone mm. that provides feedback and I make a little improvement will will help another person in future. And I and I definitely drive that point um, in courses as well. So I say, please, you know, write your question in the Q and A publicly so all future students can see it. Mm. Um, and it's also like a never-ending kind of stream of updated content as well because new regulations will come out. Um, new mm. ways to say things or reference things will come out um, and people talk to each other and find things out that way because you can't keep on top of everything yourself so if you've got mm. a community that's constantly chatting about it it also helps keep me up to date and keep everyone up to date so it's more about community at the end of the day um, not really the physical act of teaching it's more about just everyone kind of coming together to kind of be that single medical writer voice that goes no we're mm. not accepting this standard as a medical writer we're going to do it this way and if everybody says the same thing then it improves the standard for everyone it's kind of like locum rates if people start charging <laughs> less the price goes down <laughs> um yeah. but people started to charge more especially in the pandemic the price just shot up um mm. and as it should i was just like why weren't we getting paid this much before why was the price going mm. down so, mm. um, so, you know, it's more about trying to empower people, um, to change their lives and also feel supported that they can do something that they thought they couldn't. Um, and who doesn't want to work remotely and travel yeah. and, you know, exactly. just improve their quality of life. I think that's just, it's been so life-changing for me and I really want to kind of pass that mm. one and keep that going. And I've even had people who are like, oh, I'm close to retirement, but I want to keep working and I can't really travel that much. Um, so I want to get into medical writing. I'm like, of course you can. <laughs> so, you know, um, or children, or they've taken a break from work, you know, for a few years to raise their kids. They're like, I'm not really ready to go to an office. I'd rather do stuff from home. Um, mm -hmm. There's lots of reasons to, to help people. And I think, yeah, the, 
the content that was available just wasn't mm. accessible um, and seemed yeah. a bit out of date. What would you say uh, are some common misconceptions when it comes to medical copywriting? And how have you gone about sort of despelling that through your course and your right clinic? One of the biggest myths is that it's easy. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so the, the course provides a structure for you to, to practice. Um, mm. One of the biggest requests I get is feedback. So, you know, could you give me feedback on this article I've written? Or could you give me feedback on this blog? Or what yeah. do you think of this that I've published? And I, I could sit there and spend half an hour to an hour and a half, maybe two hours going through your blog or, or whichever. Um, but I think that what I would say to you may not mean that much unless you have mm -hmm. the context and background of, of what I'm really talking about. So yeah. it can be really time consuming to give feedback to someone who may not necessarily understand, you know, the concept of tone of voice, for example, or the concept of reading mm. age. Um, I would feel that, you know, it, it takes a lot of explanation. Um, so, so yeah, I would say the, the fact that it might be easy, but it's not definitely not the case. Uh, <laughs> and then also on, on the other hand, that the, the fact that you can't learn how to do it, um, mm. you definitely can. There are so many <laughs> tips and techniques and tricks. And once you've got that structure in your mind, you can write anything. And it's the same thing, even down to the, I call it the nitty gritty. So even the, you know, the, the number of words you use in a sentence, the number of words you use in a paragraph, the number of words or characters or numbers that you use in a headline. These are all things that have been kind of researched and done time and time again. And I'm going to call them the greats or the people before us um, that mm out loads of content and figured out the best kind of structures and you can kind of inherit that and also make it your own because yeah. when you write you will have your own style you don't need to sound like someone else mm. and that's kind of what makes content interesting so don't try to go by the book too much just kind of have that structure but but make it your own um, so it can be learned it will take some hard work and practice but it's definitely something that you can build up over time and get better at and better and better at. And the more you practice different techniques, the more they'll become second nature. And yeah, sometimes you just need a little bit of feedback to make sure you're on the right path. <laughs> so. no, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. That was quite interesting. But what it seems like is you're, you've built this nice community around yourself and, and probably because you, you're so willing to help other people. And I do agree with you, copyright is one of those life-changing skills. It really is, because it means not only is it one facet, it's location of where you work, the earning potential kind of giving you that freedom, which so many people are yearning for right now. So the, the last thing I think would be nice to end on is tell us a bit more about Right Clinic. What can people expect? Um, we'll plug it. We'll, we'll obviously leave a link in the descriptions, but tell us what, you know, what is Right Clinic and what can they expect? So Write Clinic is a medical writing academy where healthcare professionals and people with a science background can learn how to become a medical writer. So whether that's a medical copywriter and writing mm. promotional and sales materials, or they want to go more into kind of regulatory writing, but laws and regulations do apply to copywriting as well. So you will learn that too. You'll also learn how to 
build your own portfolio, to find clients, to manage your finances, and also manage your well-being as well. Because I think that gets mm. overlooked a lot. And we really kind of um, really champion self-care and looking after yourself yeah. because it is definitely stressful to do something new. And we also champion community a lot as well. So we mark your work, we give you feedback, we also answer any questions that you may have, and we answer them in detail and in a timely manner. So if you ask a question, we're not going to leave it for like four weeks. We'll get to it like in one or two days. Um, mm. And I've definitely built up that reputation in previous courses that I've created outside of Bright Clinic. And yeah, also just really friendly support and the opportunity to join our medical writer directory as well. So you'll actually be mm. listed with your LinkedIn profile, your portfolio and your website, which we teach you how to do in the right mm. clinic courses. And that means it's a place where recruiters, employers, clients, and also other medical writers who want to collaborate with you are, are able to find you. Um, because not a lot of people think to go and ask other writers to see mm. if they want to work on something together. So we really champion community in that way as well, because sometimes writing something with someone can help you learn how to become yeah. a better writer as well. So no, definitely. Yeah, there's there's loads to learn and it's in lots of bite-sized uh, kind of nano yeah. lessons and uh, and yeah, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And we're really approachable. So me and House are around like all the time. It's probably an unhealthy mm. amount. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so, so yeah, please reach out to us and we're more than happy to, to help you get started. For sure. I, ha I had a look at it before. Obviously, you sent me the link earlier. What I like about it, and you mentioned it was it's not just how to be a good copywriter, how to get in. It's holistic. It's the well-being, the mental health, the portfolio. Like you, you literally did a course on everything that has anything to do with copyright, which is a very good way of approaching it. Because I know people kind of want to sell one or two things. But um, yeah, I'm excited to kind of dig into it, kind of learn a bit more. Like you said, it's always nice to learn new things. But no, thank you for taking the time out, Virginia. I know you're super busy, um, but it's been a, a pleasure having you on the show. And anyone that is keen on copyright, even before you commit to the course, Virginia and Hass have loads of content on LinkedIn. Like you're always sharing tips, you know, Hass is just on it. Like he's always sharing so much yeah. stuff and I'm learning so much from him. So it's incredible what you guys are doing. It's much needed in the medical community. I will say that for sure. Thank you so much uh, for inviting me and all of your really kind words and compliments and, uh, yeah. and also just being really encouraging as well. I think I really appreciate that um, because you know, it doesn't matter how much experience you have, you will, you'll still have doubts, um, but mm. you just have to keep going and, and everyone around you kind of, kind of keeps you going. So, so thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you, Virginia. And thank you to our listeners. We'll see you all next week.